Hello. Hi. Coming to you through the electrical impulses of the internet, it's F That Noise. Featuring Mike Burke, Keith Reed, Jamie Klein, Pete Melia, and Steve Taylor. Hello, welcome to episode number one, numero uno, prima nocta. Oh, wait, that's not what that means. Never mind. I'm always yeah, sorry. It's alphabetical <laughs> order. Oh, the boys. It was alphabetical order. Hello, uh, ladies, <laughs> gentlemen. Hopefully there's no children listening to this. This is the uh, inaugural episode of F That Noise, where we will talk about pop culture, anything but politics, because, quite frankly, we are probably the five funniest son of a bitches you will ever meet in your entire lives. So, Oh, man, the pressure. Everybody, say hi. Say hi to the people. Hi, people. Yo, yo. If you're a sponsor, pay us. Yes. If you've got loads of cash lying around that you're looking to get rid of, uh, I can send you my uh, PayPal or my uh, Venmo, I guess the kids are calling it these days. So You just made that up. I did. You keep making shit up. So based on various comments that are made, I do have some preloaded uh, sound effects here, um, depending on how smart or stupid you sound. Blow it out your ass! Uh, <laughs> or maybe uh, and, look, and luckily ah! as of right now Mike is preloaded also that's, that's right. true gonads, gonads are, are useful, useful for their, their purpose, purpose but they are no, no substitute for brains, brains. <laughs> alright so without further ado <laughs> okay to all of you that are listening that's as close as you'll ever get to hearing Keith having an orgasm right yeah now. pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> I don't I know what you're talking about <laughs> I love sound effects. Okay. Um, Listen, Mike, if you've heard things in the past, I don't need to know. <laughs> hey, we were roommates in college. I know you were. <laughs> and, and Steve has some audio stories that he could tell you. I don't want to talk about them. Hmm. They're still scarring me for life. Seven times, Steve. <laughs> seven times. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all right. seven times, all right. <laughs> all right, so we uh, spent the weekend trying to wrap our brains around Martin Scorsese's or Scarskeezy's or whatever you want to call his name. Uh, latest flick, epic, if you want to call it that. I call it epic because I felt like I aged during it. <laughs> Uh, the I the uh, Irishman. Which I, I can't say that title without doing that bad Irish accent. Irishman. Well, the Irishman. From Braveheart. From Braveheart. It, and we should tell everyone there's going to be spoilers because I know I'm not going to be able to keep it from. Yeah. Let's. So if you have everyone. not seen you it, yes, I agree with Steve. Yes. Yep. Everything I have to say is a spoiler. You have you three seconds to shut this off if you have not seen it. Three, two, one. Right. There. If you listen and you're upset because you spoiled it, it's your own goddamn fault from here on. Just out. go watch Goodfellas again or something. All right. So who wants to start? Uh, who... is, that a, is that a foreshadowing of what Mike thinks of the movie? No, actually. <laughs> oh, not. okay. Right now, wait, wait. Oh, oh. wait, Pete. Were you able to finish it? Yeah, I did. You know, God here's the thing, you. though. I, I I did a little run through for about forty minutes, right? I did it like I always do. Like I'm watching Netflix. I'm fucking around on my phone. I'm getting up and going to the kitchen, playing with myself. You know, bullshit, right? <laughs> the usual. Next thing I know, the usual. I, yeah. Next thing I know, I turn around. Somebody's getting older. Someone's getting younger. <laughs> Past the present. I, I can't keep track of it on the timeline at all. I'm like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> so I just stopped the thing and completely started it over. And okay. just glued my face to it. And just absolutely committed myself to watching the whole thing all the way through. That's, that's exactly what I did. And you that guys is what did, you have to do. You, you guys did that all the way through without stopping? Yeah. The, the, when I finally got through it, I sat through, closed, pinned my eyes open. And you know how hard it is for me to stay awake during a movie? For I made it through the freaking end of that movie. 
You see, it, I it yeah. The first time I did the same thing. I was about I was about forty minutes in. I stopped. I watched the whole thing. I have now seen this movie three times. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you have to watch it a second time. You yeah, have you have to. to watch it more than once. There's a lot going on, and and uh, but I I I really like uh, I I liked a lot of it. I I did. Um, I love the acting. I think the acting and and I mean obviously everyone's really excited about seeing these guys, or at least I am seeing about seeing these guys act together again. But the acting was was phenomenal. Obviously, uh, well, I think De Niro was was the best part of this movie. I, the way he played the character, almost the character was very, I thought, um, was a was a very unintelligent character, and he played that to perfection with the stuttering and the skipping over, almost like the director was telling you that he that he almost thought he was lying uh, about what he was saying. And I, I really enjoyed that. See, I liked. I liked De Niro at the end when he was dealing with the consequences of his actions. Like in, for the rest of the movie, I thought he was good. I thought he was just playing Robert De Niro, though. You know what I mean? I, I could see what you're saying with the with the way he acted, but I thought his acting was fine. And it was at the end when he was like really painfully dealing with, you know, murdering his best friend, dealing with the fallout with his daughter, and all that. Like that's when he was. Yeah, I, I would agree with amazing. that. Yeah. He was yeah, I, I guess amazing. I just mean – I guess what I mean – like because the end was totally his best part. But like when I st- when it started out and he was like narrating and I'm like, OK, he's going to be like Ray Liotta. And I was almost disappointed that they were taking that same approach of the narration. But as he went on and he narrated, they, he'd have the stutters at just the right places. It would be like – uh, you know, you would be talking about something that happened. It was almost like the character was making it up as he went along. <coughs> mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I loved it. I thought, um, I'm going to uh, piggyback off you guys on the De Niro. I thought some of his finest acting was in one scene. Now, for everyone who knows, the Irishman's based on a true story, supposedly true story. Of, Not um, really. Yeah, I know, it's like... It, he said she's but the guy who killed Jimmy Hoffa basically. And that moment when they're sitting having breakfast and he's either gonna have total or I think it was special K and he chose his total and he's he's eating the, the cereal Trump and total. Pesci pretty much Joe Pesci pretty much tells him, You're gonna have to do this thing. And the look on his eyes and he just I looks, agree. he doesn't do a crying mm. scene. He just looks up and you see his eyes well up, but it doesn't say anything. It doesn't do anything. It is some of the finest uh, acting by De Niro in that scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, thought yeah. Was, I thought that was phenomenal. I no. agree with you 100%. It was that scene and then the phone call to Hoffa's wife. Those two scenes. Oh, that was great, too. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. But you're, you're 100% right. That scene you mentioned, Jamie, is the first one. Because all through the movie, I was blown away by Pacino. But yeah. in that oh, scene, God. that scene right there is when I said, holy shit, De Niro is like... This is this is De Niro of old, not De Niro of the last yeah. ten years of bullshit and he's been doing. Just, it's just like what Mike was saying, how he's mumbling when he was talking to Joan, you know, the, the, or Joe or Joan, whatever Joe. her name was, the office mm-hmm. what. And he starts. He has his eyes are closed the entire time, and he's just trying to get through this conversation, mm-hmm. get off this phone, mm-hmm. and <laughs> through it. Oh, I thought that was great. Uh, that it was really great. was. And the fact that his daughter was pretty much silent through the whole movie, except for when. She knows he did something. Right. The one, it was the, powerful to, when she said that. Yeah. yeah the one but of his I associates thought, that she actually respected for some for whatever reason. What Hoffa? Yeah. Because she didn't like Russell. Yeah. Well. 
Yeah, well, because he because because that was that was sort of Hoffa's appeal in real life. He was able to relate even more than it was in this movie. Mm-hmm. He was able to relate to people of all different, you know, all different types. He was able to uh, relate to the working people. He was able to relate to kids. He was able to relate to anybody. He was a great charismatic guy. And that's where his strength came from. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, that he would, you know, oh, I see someone like that, like Pesci's character. At first, I was kind of weirded out by his by his relation or his lack of relationship with the daughter and how concerned he was about that. But it turned out to be a really powerful uh, Mm -hmm. plot device for him, but it was such a contrast. Like he was, that was a guy that was the head of one of the crime families in New York city. And yet he couldn't relate to a kid and it drove him absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. The kid didn't like him and he knew it. Mm -hmm. Um, But Hoffa was able to have that, that charismatic feeling. And I appreciate, you know, there's been a lot of flack about Anna Paquin only having seven lines. But I she had that many. Yeah, yeah it was just that one scene where she was asking why he didn't make the phone call. That was the only time she spoke in the whole movie. And but she didn't need to speak. Like I, I think that's the thing. Like she was so good at just her expressions and mannerisms and the way she acted around these guys and the way she looked at them that she didn't need to say a word. And I thought yeah. she did a great job. You're talking about the young, yeah, I did the too. young I, actor, the young I'll actress, or the older. Version because the, the older, older version, one, Anna older... Paquin, the one that played the yeah, older daughter. Anna Paquin just sat there miserable the whole time. Right. No, but it's like it's how she looked at, like how she looked at Pesci and just with absolute disdain. And like the whole scene at De Niro's award ceremony, yeah, where she would look at Pesci and them, and but then the way she looked at Hoffa and the way she looked at her dad, it's just like she didn't have to say a word. You knew exactly what she was thinking then right. every time she looked at them. Yeah, and it guys... was amazing. Do you guys think, though, that another actress could have done it? You know, why would they cast Anna Paquin in such a minute role? I mean, yes, she was great what she was in. She probably wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to work on a on a Scorsese film. Sure, but, sure. If do you think there's but, stuff on the cutting room floor? Yeah, I mean, I, I got that feeling, but I, I think it was I think it was cut just that way for a reason. I think you guys are right. I think it was so powerful when she finally speaks that that silence speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I was a little disappointed at first because at first I didn't even know it was her. But then when I realized it was her, I, I really like her other stuff. And I was like kind of disappointed. And then I went back and thought about it. I don't I really know. She didn't get naked. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> what else? Honestly, what else is she known for besides that one, that one younger role she had when she was a kid that won her all the acclaim? Uh, the, well, the, uh, what role she, was that? Uh, was that uh, like the piano, the or piano she yeah. won an Oscar. Oh, yeah. she was in okay. another Harvey Keitel movie too. Well, yeah. I, 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 I love her in. Uh, I mean, it's it's a lesser known movie, but the movie Hurley Burley, she was great in. Oh my god, uh, she was in that. Yeah, yeah she was she, in that TV show True Blood for a long True time. True Blood, right? Oh, yeah, movies. Yeah, she yeah. was in the X Men movies. Jamie's favorites. Um, I like the X Men movies. I actually like those. Oh, this she doesn't the- get naked in those though. She was in. A, no. She was in almost famous somewhere. I'm, I'm just going through her IMDb. Yes, yeah. she was. She was. She was one of the. She was one of the. Um, the people with with Kate Hudson. Mm. Um, you might not remember because she was almost famous at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but they. Wait, wait, wait! Kinda, I gotta give. Snuck her I gotta give Jamie his due diligence there. <laughs> oh God! Your laugh track there. <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, what really got me about Pesci. Um, I don't, another another great performance. I thought he was great, but but uh, 
my the thing with Pesci is that there's that scene back in Bronx Tale. Um, yeah. First of all, so De Niro talked end. about the one at the very end where he's a cameo. Mm-hmm. And, and I preface this by saying that De Niro described the Irishman as unfinished business between him and Martin Scorsese. Um, so I was I was trying to I, I took that idea as like people basically, you know, like looking at their past characters show up during this movie. Like you saw parts where Pesci's character from Casino, where he shows up with the blood, is sort of like his character in Casino. Um, just different characters. But when I saw his general demeanor, his general demeanor to me in, in the ending of Bronx Tale, very reserved, mm-hmm. very, you know, you know, low energy, not low energy, but very unassuming. And 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 just a very appealing character. I remember when I saw Bronx Tale, I was like, who is this character? I would love to see the story of this guy other than the two scenes in Bronx Tale that he's in. And the when I when I saw this, I felt many times like I was seeing the story of that character. Like Pesci was almost playing out that character. He had the same unassumed mannerisms, the little grins, you know, all these different right, things. Right. And I, I I really thought that was awesome. I never yeah. thought about that, but that makes sense. It- it, it does. It does. You almost get like a slow burning rage, almost. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Not quite coming yeah. out. He's almost like he's trying to repress it, almost. Is it? Well, yeah. He's t- yeah. That one scene when the guy mocked his uh, little pin that he was wearing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah. right. That, the, or the scene with Keitel where where uh, uh, Sheeran is, has blown up that warehouse. Yeah. Oh, the and and uh, he comes back and he's just sitting there. Pesci doesn't say a word. It's all Keitel, mm-hmm. and it's all De Niro, and and Pesci's got that little. At times, he's got that little grin. At other times, he's like you know being reserved. He's like waiting to see what Keitel's gonna do. He already knows the outcome of the whole thing. I love that look on his face. It's almost like uh, MF, or you you were almost freaking uh, never heard of again. If not for me, That's it. but he but he found he's. Seen- oh, oh, uh, Mike's gone. Mike? Mike's gone. Yeah, we didn't give a shit oh. about what he was gonna say, anyways. Mike? Um, <laughs> Come back, Mike. New Jersey internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's Who one stole way to all the internet. I swear I didn't kick you out. I, I promise you. But that was actually one of my most biggest disappointments is how little Kaitel was in it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I thought for sure he was going to be in I mean, he was barely in it. I mean, they Yeah. yeah. He only they didn't, they didn't develop that character at all. Yeah. Not at all crooked. No. And he almost had his, this dislike for De Niro at the beginning, other than that one scene, and there was that was never really played out. Right. Yeah. I, again, I wonder if that's something on the cutting room floor. Could be. I gotta tell you, like, like, like the story was fine. So, like, let me get your guys' opinion because I guess it's it's not historical fact, obviously. So, are we resigned to the fact that? Sheeran pretty much killed Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, are we? Is, is that what we're all no. kind of on board with, or is this just a a take? He's, this is something uh, that I've that I've I've actually researched because something that I was writing, and, and I hope I'm not monopolizing obs- conversation. It's something no, actually used interests a, me a lot. You used to be obsessed with Hoffa too. I, I still am. I actually I I wrote something just about all the Kennedy conspiracies, and but the idea is there's like there's like nine different theories. I believe it's nine. <clears throat> There's a bunch of different theories about who killed Jimmy Hoffa that are sort of like the accepted theories. And Sheeran's, in many ways, was completely discredited. Uh, oh, because the idea that the, – the opinion seems to be by a couple – the couple 
people that I've read about or that I've seen in documentaries is that he was trying to sell a book when he was dying because he was trying to give some money to his family. He was broke. He was trying to give some money to his family. So he was trying to do this, this book and on his actually on his deathbed, literally he confessed all this stuff to one of his lawyers who wrote the book. Uh, I paint houses. Um, and the, the, the idea is that he, first he said that he was involved he was there and that that uh that sal character uh is the one that actually oh, he's paying <laughs> he's paying the fisher oh. here sorry guys uh so then so that he that he actually that sal actually killed hoffa and he was just there then he he came back and said oh no it was me he said they came back they said oh there's one change here and wants to make to the book it was actually him that shot hoffa so the, there was that discrepancy. There's also things that just don't make sense. They make it out to be like uh, Chucky O'Brien was uh, like Chucky O'Brien was was this like son to the end, and he was totally devoted to to Hoffa and all the stuff. But they were actually on the outs, and they were completely he they completely had, had been in a huge feud for years. He actually had sided with a guy they barely mentioned named Jackalonia Gangster. And they basically – there's no way if that guy was driving the car that Hoffa would have gotten that car. So his story doesn't check out there. Hmm. There's all – Maria Schreiber actually interviewed him at the end after he confessed. She kept c- catching him in all kinds of lies. Oh. And, and, and the drive well, didn't, just logically doesn't make sense because the, dr- the place that, they, that he says they took him was over a half hour away. And there's just – it just doesn't make any sense that they would drive him all the way out there you know, when they could take him to any house anywhere. So there was stuff like that. And, and, well, thanks you know, for ruining the movie, Mike. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, God no, that, but that, but that's my, <laughs> but that's actually my psychosis. The whole thing is that being interested as I am in this, that's what kept throwing me during watching this movie, especially the first hour and a half. It was like gangsters for a scump. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, like I, Oh, I, he was involved in Joey Gallo getting killed. And Oh, he was involved in the uh, plot to overthrow Castro the right. Bay of Pigs, and oh, he's involved in this, and oh, he's involved in this, and there's no way he was. Hmm. But did, did you guys catch though? And I, I, I loved this part when Pesci is telling De Niro to go down to Florida, and he says you need to meet a fairy named Fairy. Yeah, that, he, that's Pesci, the character Pesci played in JFK. Yeah, oh, right. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I fucking love that. When I saw, it, I was like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, when I was watching, I, I thought the same thing as Mike. I was like, well, how much of this is real? How much of this is bullshit? I'm like, after a while, I was like, I'm just going to go with it mm. and just enjoy the movie for how it is. Because no one's going to know how Hoffa died anyway. So seems like every it's, it's based yeah. off the book. So it's just I'm just going to go off the book. It yeah. seems like every biopic it, I watch now is like absolute bullshit, like not history at all. Like the, yeah. the dirt, uh, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. I watched Rocket Man the other day. It was just you know, I, immediately when I watch these, I Google historical accuracy of whatever it is I'm watching. And I'm just dis- disappointed at every goddamn turn. Yeah. yeah. But you know what the thing is? Like most situations, like, uh, you know, most people are like, Oh, they're going to change things for dramatic effect. Scorsese. It's almost like he goes the extra, you know, like, I mean, even Goodfellas, like Henry Hill is a, is a mobster. Who knows what the hell he says is true. It's all based on his book. 
Right. You know, you don't know whether he's telling the truth. So it's, but he always goes this extra mile where you just like, none of this stuff is actually true, but it makes for a really good movie. Gangs of New York, the entire book is false. And yet it makes for a real interesting movie. Yeah. See, and that's why I love Tarantino so much. Like this year, the Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood, yeah, he takes historical events and then makes them 100%. You know, it's not really happening. Yeah, he kind of – well, he's I saying this that. is my universe. This is exactly. my thing. He's not even trying to be historical. Right. He's just exactly. saying, you know. And that's how you have to look at some of these movies like like this one. It's like, you know, it probably didn't happen, but – Sometimes it's obvious. Like if you went, if you walked out of Inglorious Bastards going, well, they didn't teach me that in high school, then you're an idiot. I'm sorry. Well, you're an idiot, but people Especially are still going to believe like it. That. Well, if you talk like this, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I just never knew Brad Pitt was in World War II. What about De Niro's character, though? He was in Fury, though. What about him, something that's probably going to tweak a couple of people, probably a little bit. Um, I'm already mad. (laughs) I I didn't feel like they developed the character all that well. I I, I don't know. Who, Sharon? De Niro walking up and hitting everybody in, in... in sight i just didn't buy it he just seemed too mild-mannered for that the only outburst the guy had in the whole movie is his kind of geriatric beating he put down on that grocer right you got a point here because Uh, the movie starts out and he's driving trucks then all of a sudden he's uh introduced to um skinny razor and all of a sudden he wants to be a gangster like what was his motivation like i I don't understand the jump there well i i totally see your point I, t- I took it yeah, as I it's like he needed he needed money for his family. He had all these kids and whatnot, and maybe that's why he went up to him and said, "Hey, I can get meat for you too." See, I I, I totally see your point, but to me, uh, he he was just a completely impressionable person. Like he was he was he, he they were able to mold him into what they wanted. I think the reason the character Pesci played took to him so much was that he would just do whatever he said. He wasn't really thinking for himself. He wasn't really like, you know, his own person, like say Hoffa was. He was just very much like, I will do whatever you tell me to do. <clears throat> so like, I, I totally see what you're saying, but that's how I took it. But see, well, it's I, true. Like, when he was on the phone, right, and he was talking with, when he was first talking with Hoffa for the first time, and he hangs up and he looks over at Fashi, uh, he says, I thought I was talking to Pat. Right? Yeah. Like. He's just kind of yes, sir, yes, sir, all the yeah. time to practically everything. Like that, the, the, Which is interesting because he can, they connect him to World War II so much. Mm-hmm. So that's right. interesting. He was doing the soldier. I agree with Pete 100% because that's why when I first sent you guys that text after I watched it, I said I didn't really like it until they introduced Hoffa. Because of exactly what Pete said. Like the first hour is kind of, I don't know, to me it, it's, it's kind of disjointed. It kind of kind of just goes and a bunch of different directions. You don't really get a lot of a background on De Niro. And just like, just like Pete said, there wasn't a lot of motivation. I understood the whole, he needed money and he, they kind of barely mentioned that, but then right. it, it just, it, there, it's just all over the place until the Hoffa storyline kicks in. And then it kind of gets focused more on that. And yeah. then there's like a direct focus for the story. Yeah. Another I almost feel like I, me, like oh, in the first ahead. 40 minute walkthrough that I did it, Oh, no, it, it was just – for some reason, I could not get past the fact that every single character I saw in the movie looked like they were retirement age or better. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everybody, every yeah. direction the camera pointed at, I'm sitting here thinking, my God, it's like <laughs> being a mobster is, is not a young man's game anymore, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. 
it was a little obnoxious. I, it didn't take me that long to get over, but it kind of, I had trouble with immersion for a little while because of that. Cause I kept watching the way everybody was moving and I kept watching their, their yeah. faces and I'm like, Oh my God, this is just not lining up at and all. And that was and a it, big problem with me with the de-aging mm-hmm. because they, yeah. they de-aged the face. But the bodies were still old men. Like yeah. De Niro, you could see that they padded his shirts to make him look more muscular. Yeah. And he still moved like a 60 or 70-year-old man, even though he was supposed to be in his, what, 30s or 40s. The beatdown he mm. gave the grocer was awful. Yeah, it, it was, was terrible. awful he cinematic barely kicked him. And then the scene, like the scene where, where he meets Pesci and they're talking over the truck. Like, Pesci looked all right, but De Niro looked horrible. I was like, oh, my God. And that was my big problem with the early part of the movie is the de-aging, I thought, was horrendous. Well, De Niro's eye, too. Did you see De Niro's eye? Yeah, yeah, that that threw me a bunch of times, yeah. When I saw those blue eyes, I got all... Were in contacts or something? And when I saw those blue eyes, I got (laughs) all excited. I thought the Night King lived. No, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. But I I don't know what it was, though. I'm after that. Steve, it's like you said, though, like... As soon as Hoffa got introduced, like I, I somehow forgot about all of that, and, I, and it didn't come back. Yes, I, 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 was, I was caught in the movie, and I never, I never came out until the I, credits rolled. I had to, t- I have to tell you though, like uh, I really had to fight, like to overcome the 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 Nicholson movie. Um, well, while I was watching, uh, yeah, I agree with Mike on this one. Mm-hmm. Just because De Niro, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Made a made a, a really strong effort to capture the actual voice of Hoffa, and at the first scene where they're on the phone, De Niro and Pacino, he tries to really kind of at, at least this is what I heard. He tries to play up that 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 Chicago accent, that Detroit Chicago Midwestern accent. I hardly saw it again during the movie. Yeah, I didn't. I noticed that too. His accent would come and go a few times. I thought and the it, was great, but I noticed the accent was going. Where I, I preferred Nicholson's version, and he was great. Like where he was great was I, I love the scenes. Like I, I absolutely love the scenes in the car going to the hit or going to pick up Hoffa and then bringing Hoffa away to the hit. I love the scenes about the fish. I love the oh, scene. Yeah. I love the scene with and all because of Pacino. I love the scene where he's meeting with um with uh his name escapes me. The guy in in Miami about getting his support um. The guy in Boardwalk Empire that played Al Capone. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Tony Stephen, Stephen Graham. Was yeah, actor, Tony but... Pro. And the, the the scene there, like this, I love Pacino's, how he. Oh, and there goes Mike again. Every time he's got a good point, his internet craps out. <laughs> Sorry. He gets fixated on his internet crapping out. He gets fixated on, on things like, oh, people, like in the 50s, people can't be late. People yeah. can't, you know. This is this is how that. business is done. You have yeah, to wear a suit. Came in shorts to the, yeah. All right, I, you know. I know we only have like three minutes. I I want to jump on Mike's point, and it's a little bit of the opposite. I hate you want to jump on Mike's point? Whoa. I want to jump, jump, jump on me anytime you want. Whoa, whoa. Gonads <laughs> are useful for their purpose, but they are no substitute for brains. Wait. I did not like any of that fish stuff. That bored me, and I was getting pissed. Like, I was like, "What?" Because <laughs> it was like, it felt like a Tarantino movie. Like, modern... I did not know what they were trying to do with that. Like, a, yeah, oh, you don't want the you don't me. want the strangler behind you, so you put a fish on the back seat. What no, I just listen. I I hear what you're saying, but I, to me, it's like it humanizes these guys. It humanizes that that they have mon- Monday, and this is why Tarantino does it too. 
they they have mundane conversations. You go to that scene with the Manson, uh, the Mansonites or whatever you want to call them before they go up to the to the house in that movie. They they have this Once conversation that you don't expect them to have, and it humanizes them. Oh, These guys are talking about. Hmm? I said it's still Frigs. And for I people mean, that back there. for yeah. people that don't know something that Frigs is weak. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's searching shit's, for shit's weak. Oh, there goes there goes Mike. Ah, I'm back. Mike. Oh, there he is. Um. All right, we we got like two minutes left, boys. Do we have to stick to the half hour? We don't have to. Does somebody want to bring up something else? Um, one thing overall, like on a scale of one to ten, kind of thing. Like, what oh, was it's that? tough. It's so tough because it's such an epic movie. Right. It's it's not like it's even more than like a Goodfellas or a Casino or any of these longer films. It's such an epic movie. It's a totally different movie than other Scorsese movies. Very different. So, yeah. It's so it's a- hard. It's hard. Like when you originally said maybe we should do the top five Scorsese movies as a topic. I was like, well, you can't really compare it. You certainly can't compare it to to movies like Taxi Driver, but you can't compare it to other long films. I can say I would give this movie the 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 gangsters Forrest Gump threw me a few times. So I would I would give this movie a, a seven or an eight out of ten. I'm right there, seven yeah. or eight. I'm with Mike, seven. Nice and yeah, seven. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, because I can tell you what I can tell you. There are shortcomings in this movie that bothered me. But it didn't stop me from watching this damn thing three times. Right. Yeah. That blows me away. You had time to do it three times. We, we can we can nitpick the, the the story and everything like I don't that, sleep. but it does a good job of telling the story. <laughs> true. I just think and it has such a perfect seven ending, where he's sitting in that room with the door barely open, mm. just yeah, by it. himself. Yeah, quiet. yeah. That was so miserable. I was like, oh my god. I, I, I mean, that's, that's but that's so what's that? I mean, that's what got me too. Is the the idea of a lifespan, you know, is, you know, you know, I know we're all like 25 right now, but, <laughs> but like, you know, the idea of a lifespan and like, uh, like regrets and getting older and this movie did that really well. It took the time to show, yeah. a, you know, I'm not talking about their de-aging, but like taking the time to, to show like all of a sudden, oh shit, my family's not there and everybody's dead. And what do I have left except these ideas that should have been important to me, but they weren't. And this is the first gangster movie that Scorsese has made where he did not romanticize gangster life. Like all the other ones, he made it look exciting and he made it look awful in this movie. Like everyone lost everything at the very end when they're in prison and everyone's like getting old and dying. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you think about like the prison scenes in, in, um, Goodfellas, they're all cooking and having a good old time. This right. they're in that little concrete area, dying of old age, and it's like yeah. that did not look. Like yeah, or, or like Wolf of Wall Street, where there's where the the arc of that character goes up, 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 and ends in like five minutes after it goes down, and he's in jail, and he's like, oh, but wait, I'm rich, everything's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> none of that. That's what I exactly. My, that final scene, like I think the last ten minutes, I was sitting on the edge of my couch yelling, "End this bitch already!" Uh, yeah. and, but then, like with that yeah, final, I, I, was, I was starting to do that during the fish scene. With the final scene, <laughs> it just kind of hit home that like Jamie we, likes fish. <laughs> Jimmy loves Jimmy loves the fish. 
Um, you live this life, you do what you do because you think you have to for whatever reason, whether it's your own uh, seeking glory, seeking money, whatever it is, provide for your family, whatever your goals are. But at the end, we're all going to end up in that room by ourselves, paying, uh, picking out our casket and our resting, resting place. With, oh, that was heartbreaking. With oh, maybe, yeah, that was awesome. With that part was great. Fewer people and, than and, you think visiting you. You know what I mean? And I think, God, it just freaking nailed you at the end. And the, and the thing is, is like throughout the movie, at first it was confusing because I, I couldn't figure out a time frame in the movie. But when they're announcing everybody and how they died, uh, this guy got shot 14 times in 1980. Yeah. This guy did this and this, you know, um, at first that was confusing because I was like, wait, are they skipping forward? Or are they coming back? But really what it did was it, it added to the ending because it sort of foreshadows the fate of a gangster. And the idea is is that when uh, Henry Hill I, – I listened to the uh, – I got a lot of time in the car. I listened to uh, Henry Hill and the FBI agent that caught him do a commentary for Goodfellas. And they, they were talking about how De Niro was talking to Henry Hill at one point during the production of Goodfellas. And he said, look, it's really weird. The life the – life of a gangster is about 10 years after 10 years, he either goes to jail or he gets killed. And I think that the, what they did when they showed all these, like, this is how this guy dies. This is how this guy dies. They're basically saying, this is the fate of this life, no matter what. So when you're talking about how it didn't romanticize organized crime, like the other movies that totally hit it with me because it was like, Oh my God. So they're gonna, they're gonna, they're they're gonna, they're destined to, no matter what their motives, they're destined to, end, you know, in a bad way, right? And then at the end, when the two FBI guys confront him and he says, "They're like everyone's dead. Who's gonna hurt right. you or your family? They're all dead." Oh, that's such a that's such an eye opening scene. Yeah. A great yeah. scene. And I didn't really like like it didn't really hit me now until listening to you talk about it. But like the scene, the opening scene where he's just kind of staring there, and he it starts as a monologue, but then he starts talking and picking up. Yeah, There's like something that. to be said when you're the last survivor. You know what I mean? When you're, and you think about now that I'm, I'm going through in my head the telling of the story, and when new characters are introduced, it automatically tells you how they died because that's what he remembers most. Because I, I had seen a review of it, and the reviewer said they're pretty sure, and I agree with this, that. The perspective you see in the beginning and when he starts talking, it's him confessing to his lawyer, like Mike said. That's who that person is that he's just talking to. And yeah. that would make sense. Yeah. 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 I'm digging that. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be amazing if the lawyer just made the whole damn thing up? He never said anything. It could have been. He says he has audio recording of it, but I don't know if that's Old men that's tell ten. That's for the next four-hour movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Part two. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> all right. Let's the uh... last temptation of oh! all. Right, <laughs> all right. Listen, listen good... I got to tell you before we, before we end it. That. Go ahead. Keep talking. Keep talking. I feel like I'm getting an Oscar. Keep talking. You're getting played <laughs> off. All right. Goddamn it. I'll, I'll stop the outro. Go ahead. Talk. Do your, do your bit. I got I to gotta tell you, just because of the company that I'm doing this podcast with, Although it was a very subdued movie, internet, generally speaking, your internet's gonna die again. The 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 idea, yeah, it will. The idea of of that epic drive by Al Pacino when he's talking to those guys in the room. Oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite Al Pacino part in the whole movie. <laughs> it's like I know. 
Yep, see, there it goes. There it goes. We're, we're ending with, with that latest mic disconnection. That is where we are ending this podcast. Thanks for listening to episode one of F That Noise. Hit us up on all the socials. Mike, we're done here. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, F That Noise Podcast at gmail.com. For Jamie Klein, Steve Taylor, Pete Mealy, Mike Furtick, I'm Keith Reeves. That's pretty much it.